Blog Talk Radio. All right, fans, here we go. Four two-minute rounds of boxing scheduled women in the ring. This is episode number 71. My name is Felipe Leon, straight from Tijuana, Mexico. And on the line with me always is none other than future uh, International Women's Boxing Hall of Famer, Mr. Wait, in a couple weeks, David Avila. David, how you doing? Very good, very good, Felipe. But I'm just a humble David Avila. <laughs> and with us... <laughs> Like always from the Bay Area, Miss Lupi Gutierrez. Lupi, how you doing tonight? I'm doing good, thank you. All right, so here we are, yet another show of the two-minute round where we're here to discuss all about female boxing. This is the show that you can listen to here on the on blogtalkradio.com forward slash two-minute round where we dedicate uh, about 90 minutes to female boxing, everything that happened in the last couple of weeks, what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks, and all the news and notes that have transpired in the last 14 days. Uh, usually we have a special guest. Last uh, week, we ha- or last show, we had Ronica Jeffrey, who we're going to talk about in a couple of minutes. But this show, we didn't get a special guest because we wanted to... There's a lot of news going on, a lot of stuff happening in the world of boxing, and we kind of wanted to have a little bit of time and talk about that. But I'm sure that in our next show, which will be on a Wednesday, um, August 21st, we will have... I think we're going to have three special guests on that show, but we'll announce those as we secure them for that show. So our next show is Wednesday, August 21st. And uh, we will have some guests on that show. And last time that we thought we weren't going to have a guest, we actually had a special guest in Mr. Lou DiBella. So if anybody's out there and wants to call in and talk female boxing with us, you can do so at 323-580-5735. Again, it's 323-580-5735. So why don't we delve in a little bit into the fight results where on Saturday, July 27th in Santa Fe, Argentina, Daniela Bermudez scored an eight-round TKO over Valeria Perez in a scheduled 10-rounder to defend her WBO 118-pound title. Uh, Perez didn't come out. I think she quit right after the eighth round. So when there's three Bermudez sisters from Argentina, you pretty much can get one fighting every other week. So this time it was Daniela. It was actually like a – she announced the fight like, a week, a week and a half before it. So it was kind of weird that, yeah, that it wasn't a lot of promotion for that fight, but I think it was something just to keep her busy and we'll see what else comes her way um, because I think she is one of the best fighters in the world right now. Uh, unfortunately, she yeah. fights out of Argentina. Um, she fights out of Argentina and it's kind of really hard to get them out of there. I mean, we've seen it before. She came to Mexico and she defeated Mariana Juarez there a couple years ago. Um, but it's really hard to get them out. Her sister just came to Mexico as well, where she fought to a drug in Silvia Torres uh, about a month ago. But uh, hopefully we get some more of them coming over to uh, to Mexico or the United States. Also, the same night in Mexico, Lourdes Juarez scored a unanimous decision by Alondra Prado Nava in a 10-rounder to keep her number one position as a number one ranked fighter for the WBC at 112 pounds. I watched this fight. It was broadcast live on the Televisa network, which is the biggest uh, terrestrial network in Mexico. And the announcers, every other word that was coming out of their mouth was world title, world title, world title. And the champion at 112 pounds for the WBC is Yvette La Roca Zamora. So we had Lourdes Juarez here uh, about six months ago. And she mentioned that that's her plan, that she wants to fight for a world title. That's what she's asked for for promoter, Promociones del Pueblo. Um, she's just waiting to get that shot. And in the meantime, she's fighting the likes of Alondra Prado, who right before the fight, she was four and two with, I believe, two mm-hmm. knockouts. And here's my, here's my, I, I thought that Lourdes Juarez looked great. We've mentioned here before on the show that she's ready for a world title shot. 
She looks ready. She has the experience. She has the technique. She has the talent. But to me, you don't need to go 10 rounds with the 4-2 and two fighter. You know, you mm-hmm. got to find a way to stop her. If you don't have knockout power you, and, you, and, you, and you can't hurt her, which Lourdes never did, you got to find a way to force that stoppage. You don't need the rounds. You got 30 fights, a lot of them are 10-rounders, okay, and 8-rounders. You know, you don't need the – you had much more experience than her inside the ring. You were much more older than her. Not that that matters, but you had the experience. You had the better technique. You had the talent. You you have the rounds. You got to find a way to stop a 4-2 and two fighter before the 10 rounds, and that's what makes me question a little bit where Lourdes Juarez is in her career right now. David, what do you feel about that? Uh, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that, but that's, that's always been one of my pet peeves that when a fighter is so dominating, why don't they just go for the knockout? Uh, I see mm-hmm. that in, in men's boxing all the time. Uh, that guy, Demetrius Andrade, he's the same way. He just pit, you know, pity pat for 10 rounds, 12 rounds. I, I agree with you. I think if, if you have an easy going, then you should take chances and, and go for the knockout or the stoppage. Lupe, you're, you're on the same page as us, or do you think it's something yeah, else? I, you said it all, and I totally agree with you. And, and the reason why she can't go for the knockout, she can't, like you said, you can't get knocked out, out with the pity pat. You can't. And yeah. if you can't knock out the four and three, I mean, then then you start to question, well, should she really, does she, should she really get uh, the world title shot? Yeah, because it's not so much if she could knock her out because she doesn't have pop, then she just doesn't have pop. But you've got to be able to force the stoppage. I mean, just go – Trap her mm. against the ropes or the corner and just throw enough punches that the ref has to stop it, you know? And she's not willing to do that. Now, we got to give Alondra credit that in the second half, she did kind of turn it on a little bit and caught Juarez with a couple overhand rights, but it wasn't nowhere near enough to make Juarez think that, you know, she needed to be cautious. So um, that's the only that's, – that's my critique of her of this last performance. And actually the Televisa uh, commentators did mention that she didn't she, – she won and she was dominant – but she probably didn't look her best. So we'll see if she gets another fight before the world, world title shot or if she goes from this fight to, to challenge uh, Iber La Roca Zamora, which should be an easy fight to make since both of them are under the same umbrella, Promociones del Pueblo, and the same TV network. Now, on Friday, August 2nd, from the Thomas Mack Center in Las Vegas, Roy Jones Jr. on the UFC Fight Pass, which is starting to be a, a must-see TV for female boxing. I mean, in the last what, three or four months they've had some major female fights on that network or on that app. We had Eva Wallstrom uh, get a split draw over Ronica Jeffrey in the 10-rounders and keep the WBC 130-pound title. Scores were 100 to 90 for Jeffrey, 96-95 for Wallstrom, and 95-95, which I find find amazing, these these scorecards. I mean, one judge completely saw Jeffrey – completely dominate. The other one saw Wallstrom squeak by, and then the other one saw it even. David, you wrote about this fight. Tell us what you saw. Well, you know, it's funny because I thought that Ronica Jeffrey won the majority of the rounds. I saw Wallstrom, you know, make some changes in her game plan because she was uh, – Ronica was too fast for her. But uh, the thing is, uh, Ronica was out punching her three to one. But they were, they were more, they weren't professional style punches. They were more amateur style punches where they were taps. They weren't really, she wasn't punching through. She did mm. occasionally, but she wasn't punching through. And Eva was punching through. She didn't mm. land that many, but when she did punch, there were solid blows. And the refer, uh, the judges were giving Wallstrom a lot of credit for that, even though. She probably got all punched uh, three to one in the whole fight, but they gave her a lot of credit. Uh, I still thought Ronica won the fight, but uh, I could understand why the judges uh, preferred Wallstrom's uh, more professional style of uh, hits. What did you see the highlights there, Lupi? Yeah, I saw the highlights. I saw, you know, it was action packed. I mean, they were going for it, and. But what I did hear was uh, Marianne Owen, the, the photographer. She, uh, 
she was mm-hmm. at ringside. I didn't watch the whole fight, so of course they're going to show you what they want in the highlights, which I thought was action-packed. But she said that she was ringside, and she thought it can go either way. And then I thought, you know, I wasn't there, and she was. So, um, But it looked good. It looked like a good listening fight. To, listening to David's uh, analysis, I mean, you saw it in the scorecard. It's all about, you know, what the judge – I mean, it's a, it's, yeah. it's, 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 boxing is, is objectionable. You know, it all goes with what the judge sees and what he thinks is effective. And one judge saw those, even though there weren't hard punches, but there were more of them and there were landings, but there was no power probably behind them versus Wallstrom's less, less amount of punches, but with more power, more decisive. And you get these two different scorecards of 190 and then 96, 95 for Wallstrom, 190 for Jeffrey. And then one of them was just stuck in the middle and scored in 95, 95. I mean, obviously on Twitter, you know, a lot of the East Coast fighters and the East Coast fans basically called it a highway robbery and that everybody saw Veronica Jeffrey win and that WBC is protecting Wallstrom and this and that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you actually have to see the fight and score it to, to actually make a, uh, and then be unbiased, obviously, um, to get to that assessment. Now, also on that same card, Rosalinda Rodriguez, who fights out of the East Coast, but made, made her way uh, west as well. Um, I, I, you know what? I didn't get the result Excuse for that fight. Me. Hey, Felipe? Go ahead. Uh-huh. It yeah. was supposed to be Jamie versus Rosalinda Rodriguez, who's 10-0 uh-huh. with two knockouts. And I thought, wow, Jamie's really going to – that's going to be a tough fight. But at the last minute, it was a girl named Britton Hart, who was three and three and two with two knockouts. So that was a quick switcheroo at the last minute. David, do you know anything about that? Uh, no, I tried to find out uh, from Rosalina Rodriguez what happened because uh, I had a whole story planned. Uh, but in the last couple of days, they changed. I could, never could find out what happened. Uh, I, I know that uh, the other girl they brought in was a tough girl, very tough. But uh, maybe the change in opponents uh, kind of uh, mixed up Jamie Mitchell because uh, Jamie Mitchell trained at the uh, Floyd Mayweather gym with uh, with um, uh, Layla McCarter. And they expected mm-hmm. Jamie to, to win easy, but it didn't happen that way. Did they really? Over Rosalinda? No, not a, over Rosalinda, but Brit- oh, uh, Brittany over Hart. Oh, Hart. Yeah. So, yeah. so, but Rosalinda ended up not fighting because it's not on her. It's not on her box rate. So that fight right. ended up not. It actually, so Rosalinda ended up not fighting. Who is? Mm-hmm. I know she's yeah, trained by Adam. She's trained by Ada Velez, but does anybody yeah. have her signed? Have her what? Oh, which one? Um, which fighter? Rosa, Rosalinda. Uh, I don't think we, uh, yeah, I think Mercedes, Mercedes does. Huh. Or Mercedes, uh, is her, uh, her manager. Okay. Maybe her promoter, too. I think it's a promoter, too. Okay. Well, maybe we'll get to see more of her. I know that she, she's trained by Ada Velas, who was a former fighter. Uh, she's 10 and 0 with two exactly. knockouts, and she did capture the IBA Women's International Boxing Association Bantamweight title two fights ago against Shirley Barnett. And then I think she had captured, um, and then she caught back in, uh, in mid-2018, she she captured the WIBA Super Bantamweight title, and then she got the NABF title 118 in 2016. Yeah. So boxer. she's won, yeah, she's won like these smaller regional titles, but you don't really hear much about her like in the, in the she's 32 years old, you don't hear much about her in like, you know, in the, with the major titles, she's not ranked. She's ranked. Um, so we'll see if we get to see more of her. She doesn't. She fights kind of sporadically, um, but maybe because she doesn't have enough support. Also, on Saturday, August third, in San Antonio, Texas, Selena Barrios comes back from that that loss against Melissa uh, Huracan uh, Hernandez some months ago and scores a devastating first round knockout against Nina Gallegos in a scheduled four rounders at 135 pounds. Nina Gallegos was clearly overmatched, not only inside the ring, but on paper as well. And, you know, sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm sure they weren't expecting for the knockout to be that quickly, but sometimes you got to get 
that kind of knockout for a fighter that's so as young as Barrios and with so little experience as a pro, a lot of amateur experience, but a little experience as a pro, to kind of get her to feel confident again because that beating she took from Hernandez was pretty impressive. Yeah. So you got to get her back on that horse and then... Yeah, the Nina was perfect because she was zero. Nina was perfect then because she was zero and four, and she was knocked out three times. Yeah, so I maybe mean, four now. They're they're probably were expecting uh, that she got knocked out by Barrio, so it was it was probably her fourth knockout loss, and hopefully they somebody mm-hmm. in that commission takes a look at her. Also at the Barclays Center in New York City, it was actually a, a last minute fight that was put together out there on the undercard of uh, uh, Adam Kowalowski against uh, Chris Ariola. Where Helen Joseph, uh, the iron, I think they call her Iron Woman, Helen Joseph, scored a unanimous decision. The Iron Lady. The Iron, iron lady. lady. Yeah, Iron Lady, Helen Joseph, scored a unanimous decision over Edina Kiss, the opponent of everybody in a six rounder at yeah. 122 pounds. <laughs> Scores there were 60 53 three times. This fight, as far as I know, wasn't broadcast anywhere. And on Sunday, I August 4th. I saw it. Where was it on? Where was it on? I brought- uh, what Brian Cohen went? Well, somebody went live on Facebook. Just a personal. Oh, okay. Yeah. Personal. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, it was. Go ahead. No, it was a good one. But I, when I think of Helen Joseph, I have something built up in my mind that I thought, oh my God, she's going to go out here and wipe the floor with her. And I built it up too much, and she didn't. But then again, she hasn't fought in a long time. You know, she has another fight coming out at the end of the month, so we'll see. You know, get that rust off. Yeah, exactly. She's quite exactly. a specimen. It, she's quite a specimen. Her body is amazing. You know, and even though Adina Kiss loses, she she knows what she's doing. She's not a, a, a nobody. She she yeah. has mm-hmm. 15 wins, and yeah, she has about 10 losses. But if you look at the people she's fought, she's fought top she top fought female everybody. fighters in the world. Yeah, I mean, she doesn't mm-hmm. have any ducks out there. Everybody she's fought is is good. Yeah. Yeah, no, you know, she has a lot of experience, but yeah, the, the, she has a lot of experience, and um, and you know, she's fought everybody like you mentioned, but you know, I mean, I mean, she's a high-profile opponent. You know, when you want somebody with a name and that you know it's gonna come to fight, mm-hmm. you go after Adina Kiss, and then another one that I want to mention uh, a little bit later. Okay, so lastly, in the fight results. On Sunday, August 4th in Spain, Joanna Pastrana was surprised in her hometown, uh, with her home country, with a split decision loss against Costa Rica's Jocasta Valle for the IBF 105-pound title. Scores there were 97-93 two times for Valle and a 96-94 for Pastrana. This actually was a really good fight. It was on YouTube. If you guys want to look for it there, all you got to do is punch in the, the, the fighter's name. And it was really interesting because... I for I watched the fight and in the first half I saw Yocasta Valle be very aggressive, um, go out there and throw a lot of punches, especially in combination. And for me, even though the announcers, obviously Spanish announcers from Spain, um, you know, rooting for the house fighter, they were kind of like m- making it seem like Pastraña was, you know, boxing her and catching her when she was coming in. And in the first half, she wasn't doing that. You know, it was pretty much Valle in the first half of the fight, in my in my opinion. Um, just landing the harder punches, she was very aggressive. And Pastrana in the first half just looked a little confused and very timid. And the second half, she did start doing uh, what the announcers were saying, was catching her when she was coming in as Valle began to slow down, being a little bit more accurate. She had the longer arms, so she was able to score those right hands, a few uppercuts. But then Valle was able to close out the show in the last couple of rounds as well. Her corner did a very good job in motivating her throughout the fight. Um, you know, she was there to win the title, and she ended up winning. She had opportunities in the past, and she had to come up short against uh, Fujioka and one other one, I believe. And um, But this time, she was able to put it all together and, and win the title. So good, good for her. Now she's a 105-pound tighter uh, for the IBF, the 105-pound champion. And uh, she's actually born in Nicaragua, but she lives in Costa Rica. And she had lost to Fioca and Tina Rupert in a close fight out there in Germany. So, um, David, you might have some inside information what might be next for her. 
You got anything for uh, what uh, what might be next for uh, uh, Valle? David? Did we lose him? Did we lose David? Maybe we did. Well, he said it shows that he's online. Hello? David, are you there? Hey, yeah, did you put it on mute? Sorry about that. You put it on mute? Oh, it's okay, it's okay. (laughs) Also, I accidentally put it on mute. Oh, okay. Yeah. So my question to you, do you yeah. have some maybe some inside information? Go ahead. Yeah, I corresponded with Yocasta uh, on Monday, and uh, she was uh, telling me that her game plan was to to not box her, to just attack, to attack and put the pressure mm-hmm. on her uh, from the very start. And uh, she said that that seemed to be uh, work, um, that, that nobody had ever really pressured her, even when when uh, Pastrana lost against Tina Ruprecht, who Yacosta had fought also, uh, she said that uh, Pastrana was never uh, pressured. So that was her plan. And it and seemed it to work for them. Yeah, it worked. Yeah. Because you, te- you could tell in the first half of the fight that Pastrana was very confused. She didn't know what to do. She honestly didn't know what to do with the with the pressure. But it wasn't like 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 this wild but she is a little wild. She is a little wild by you. Like when she throws the punches, especially when she throws her right hand, she tends to square up at the end of it. But but it wasn't like, you know, like like a, like a brawler, like just, you know, Ricardo Mayorga type of brawler comes to mind. You know, she was she was smart about it, but I mean her technique is not the best, but she wasn't just, just throwing punches and, and not thinking about where they were going. So she she it was effective pressure. But it was pressure nonetheless, and it tended, it seemed to confuse Pastrana in the first half. And the second half, she was able to pull it a little bit together, but it might have been a little bit too late and not enough. And Valle ended up taking the, the the split decision and the title, and now she's the first world champion. Uh, well, she's the, her first world title for her, the IBF 105. She won a title earlier. She she won that same title earlier. She did. Let me see. Um, they never posted it in box rec. Oh, she had the same okay. title. Yeah, she and had the same title, it? and then she went to to Japan to go for the bigger one. Oh, so she had she was the 105, and then she left it when she went to yeah. uh, Japan to fight Fuyoka. Yes, and mm. then after that she fought Tina Ruprecht in Germany. And, yeah, for the uh, WBC. She, she won that fight, and uh, then she she had Pastrana, but. Yeah. Uh, I spoke to her team, and her team had told me that their plan was to defend this title now in San Jose, and they expect uh, to sell out the soccer stadium, which holds about uh, 20,000 people. That would be pretty uh, – well, one thing that we do know about Valle is that she was on, like, the Costa Rica's uh, answer to Dancing with the Stars. So she's pretty famous out there in her country, so I'm sure that she could sell out that stadium. Same thing that – uh uh, Anna Gabriel did not too long ago, a couple of weeks ago, uh, in San Jose, Costa Rica, which is the capital city of that of the country in Central America. Yeah, they they had told me that they wanted to invite Sanisa Estrada to fight fight them in San Jose, mm, and they would yeah, say, uh, they said it, it would make it worth their while. Wow! Ooh, wow! Wow! <laughs> Interesting. I mean, I mean, it make it worth their while. I don't know. I mean, how much, how much, how much would it be worth or while? Wow, Fifty, seventy-five grand. You think that would make Sinisa Strada think about it twice, or her dad? Because well, Golden, I think Golden Boy would say, I think Golden Boy is going to say, take it, because we're not going to be able to pay you that money. You know, that's, a, that's an interesting question. <laughs> now, what do you 15, think, Lupi? Maybe they'll pay it. If boxing is so big over there, you know, maybe they'll pay it. Yeah, they would have and to, we'll have to, to pay. come from Golden Boy. Yeah, yeah, of course they would have to pay. Uh, Costa Rica, the Costa Rica people would have to pay. But what what would be enticing? I mean, fifteen twenty? I don't think so. I mean, no, I more than that. that. I, yeah, I don't think that Sinisa puts herself in that. Fifty grand. Yeah, fifty grand. I, I, I starting. Be, starting. Build yeah. on the table. Fifty. I think she would be. She would think about it twice. Cause she could win. She could knock her out and she's not need the judges. It. I think she's you worth know? it. And she could not, she yeah. go in there and knock her out and not need the judges. And I, and honestly, I honestly see, I can see Sinisa Estrada knocking her out because 
Because even though Valle is, is a good fighter and she's aggressive, like I said, she's a little wild. Her technique is not the best out there. And if anybody can take advantage of that and use it against Valle, it's Inez Estrada. However, coming mm-hmm. in hard and heavy, and she just she just walks right into a Sinister Strata right hand, she'll go down. I don't so, know. I don't know. Be, I saw her against. I saw her fight against Naoko Fujioka, and, and that and was that's a, a good. War. That's a good. That's a good one because Fujioka can punch and she's aggressive, and she was bigger than her according to her weight. Because right now she's just won a 105 pound title, and Fujioka they fought at 108. Yeah. And they, they fought tooth and nail to the very end. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to look that a, up. I want to see that. But that might be a calculated risk for Sinesa Strada and her people if the money is right, if the money is enough to make her think twice about going down there to Costa Rica and fighting for a world title. Yeah, because they almost came up to Hollywood to fight Sinesa in, in Hollywood uh, last, uh, two months ago. Yeah, and they weren't going to pay your Valle anywhere near the amount that they would have to pay Sinesa to go down there to Costa Rica. Yeah. All right. Well, that is uh, all the fight results we have for the last couple of weeks. So let's go a little bit to fight chatter. And what are the big stories for me? I mean, I know there's bigger stories than this, and we're going to get into those, especially the article that David wrote on Tuesday announcing two big fights coming in in the fall, and we'll get there. But to me, the, the the fight this story this news that I'm about to and you guys know about it but I, I want to talk about it a little bit I think it's gonna set I, I'm not even gonna say it's gonna set a president because the president is probably there already but just the fact that it has happened I think it's 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 detrimental to the sport of female boxing uh, of what happened so last week the WBO announced that they had elevated their interim 112 pound champion Nicola Adams from England to their full fledged title after the Mexican Areli Muncino was unable to fulfill her mandatory. Okay? That's good and proper. I mean, if you can't fulfill your mandatory, you can't, uh, you, you, you get stripped. But the fact that they, that they elevated Nicola Adams, who has not fought since last year, and who was scheduled to fight Areli Muncino in March, and the fight didn't happen because her herself was hurt, I believe mm-hmm. it's absolutely absurd by the by the WBO. You know, a little background on it is that Ellie Monsignor is the only Mexican fighter to capture the four world titles, not at the same time. She's not she's never been undisputed, but she's at one point or another in her career, she's been the IBF, the WBC, the WBA, and now the WBO or was the WBO flyweight champion. So she's made history with that. So, um, Musinho, it was it was it was uh, revealed that she suffered some kind of injury in her last fight because after that fight against Nicola Adams didn't happen, and we had her on the show to explain why it didn't happen. It turned out that Adams hurt her shoulder, and Musinho said, "I'm still going to fight. I'm going to fight in April, but I don't think it was a title fight. She suffered an injury there, and then she was in a car accident after that fight." And she hurt her, I think her ankle or something in in that car accident. And she wasn't allowed, she wasn't able to, you know, train and get ready for a mandatory for her mandatory defense or to defend her title against maybe even a voluntary defense. And because of that, the WO decides to strip her. But instead of just making it vacant, which I think would have been the fair thing, they yeah. elevate Nicola Adams who hasn't fought since last year and who didn't fight against Mustina because she was hurt. So it, it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And to me, I, I, I've taken the, the, this platform of the two-minute round to criticize the WBO uh, plenty of times. Mostly the for the fact... The hypocrisy. And mostly the fact that they are willing to take sanctioning fees, which are not cheap, from these female fighters and their promoters and they don't even have the decency to put together two two people, three people, four people, maybe even five people, somewhere in their organization, and put together a ranking of female fighters. You know, they don't even have the decency yeah. to do that, even though they're, they're they're charging full full pop, full pop on their sanctioning fees. 
And now they do this to me. It gets to the point where, to me, I don't even want to recognize the WBO champions as real, true female champions. You know, because they yeah, don't get it's ranked. That's another reason not to see it. They're not fighting against mandatories. I think that mm-hmm. female boxers should boycott the WBO and not even bother to fight for their titles. PBC is doing it. The premier boxing champions so just announced that they're not going to recognize the WBO anymore. And they don't even mention the fact that their heavyweight champion, Andy Reese, is the WBO champion. They only mention that he's the IBF and WBA champion. And I think female fighters should do the same. They shouldn't even bother to fight for the WBO title. Because if the, or if the WBO is, gonna, is willing to do this to a champion, you know, if they're willing to do this to a champion and not respect the the rules and make it make it make it don't don't elevate Nicola Adams who hasn't fought and the reason she hasn't fought is because she was hurt. It's unbelievable. Your thoughts, either one of you, Lupe, go ahead. You know, it, it, everything you're saying is just another reason to not um, recognize the WBO. And you know, I mean, you always hear all the girls, even Am, saying WBC female. Do you ever hear somebody say WBO female? You never see that hashtag. Mm-mm. Just another reason, you know. Well, I mean, I'm not gonna come. I'm not gonna, honestly. I'm not gonna come into defense of WBC because they have their own things too. But, but, yeah. but, big but. At least the WBC of all the, of the four major organizations are the ones that's most consistent with the rankings. They do try to update them somewhat consistently, close to once a month. The IBF kind of falls behind WBO, but the WBC is pretty – I mean, they don't do it exactly every month, but pretty close. And they're the only ones that have held two female boxing conventions, and they do a lot of support of female boxing. They just started a clean boxing program for mm-hmm. female boxing, which Inez Estrada just signed on for yesterday at the offices of the WBC. It was announced, you know. But on the other hand, too, the WBC is the biggest – opponent of the three-minute round, which is something that, you know, yeah. a lot of us want them, want the females to have, including a lot of the fighters. A lot of fighters won't come out publicly to say that they're for the three-minute round because they don't want the WBC to perhaps, not that they will, this is just me talking, but retribute yeah. the fact that they're not supporting the two-minute round. Okay? Yeah. I mean, I can tell you, but I can tell you, I can tell you, but, but I know for a fact that the WBC, some maybe a year ago, year and a half ago, they did a, 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 a how would I call it, an unofficial poll of female fighters asking them if they were, if they were um, up for or against the two-minute round. And a lot of them would say they were for it because they didn't want to rock the boat with the WBC. Yeah. We don't care. But, yeah. Yeah, we don't care if we rock the boat, you know. <laughs> I've also heard talk to a few uh, female fighters who say we would take the three-minute rounds. We'd love to if the money was there because why are you going to get hurt and not get paid? You know what I mean? So it's yeah. kind of they're in a catch, you know? It's a catch. Yeah, but I don't think that's a that – but we talked about that before on the show where it's not like you're not clocking in and clocking out and because you're fighting three minutes, you're going to get paid more. You're going to get paid more for the reasons that Lou DeBella said because you're able to mm-hmm. to – you know, to demand more money because you bring people to the arena, your ratings are high, you know. But I, like David mm-hmm. says, a three-minute round is going to give us a completely different fight because it's going to be more time where they could set up a strategy and maybe even yeah. score some knockouts, which is going to make it more exciting. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay, can so, I go back to the WBC? Can I go back? Can I interrupt for, before I get there? Sure. Uh-huh. The last time WBC put out their poster on the rankings of the females, did you guys notice Kenya Enriquez was on there? That was the first time they added her. David, thoughts? I think I think they made a mistake oh, that they had. They I think they 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 just they added her before, but they did miss her when they first put it out, and then they then I guess somebody caught it and they put her in because she's the interim WBC champ champ and not the full fledged yeah. one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I think it was just a, now before we move on to the next uh, next topic here in the fight chatter, let me just go over with you guys who are the WBO uh, world champions right now. Um, and Adam weight or 102 pounds. Uh, it's Mika 
Iwakawa, who is uh, Japanese, uh, eight five and one with uh, three knockouts. And then in the junior flyweight, or I'm, I'm sorry, mini flyweight, which is 105 pounds, we have Kasumi Saeki from Japan. And then in the 108 pounds, we have uh, Tsunami Tenke from Japan, a lot of Japan, huh? And then uh, in flyweight, we have now Nicola Adams uh, for the WBO, 5-0 and with three knockouts. Super flyweight, we have another Japanese in Miyo Oshida. In bantamweight, we have Daniela Romina Bermudez, who is a great champion, but I wish she fought for a different organization. At super bantamweight, we have uh, Dina Torsland. At featherweight, we have Heather Hardy, who is, well, we're going to talk about that. At super featherweight, we have Ewa Branica. Lightweight, we have Katie Taylor. Super lightweight, we have Christina Linandartu, who is uh, who is coming up. Welterweight, we have Cecilia Breakhouse. The WBO uh, super welterweight is vacant. Uh, the middleweight is Clarissa Shields. Super middleweight is vacant. And light heavyweight is, oh, they have a light heavyweight. The only ones that have a light heavyweight is uh, Giovanna Perez. But like we said it here on the show before, uh, throughout these 70 episodes, they don't have any rankings. They've hardly ever, um, hardly ever um, force anybody to fight with mandatories because we don't know who their mandatories are. And they tend to strip the fighters fairly quickly, like they just did with Arely Musino. They did it twice to, um, um, well, who's your uh, the girl um, in San Francisco from your gym, Lupi? Oh, Melissa, Mighty Melissa. Melissa. Melissa McMorrow, she was a two-time WBO flyweight yeah. champion, and both times she was stripped. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. And, and you say, okay, well, you're not defending. You're taking nine months, ten months. So, okay, so who am I supposed to defend? You don't have a mandatory. You don't have ranked fighters. You know? Yeah. So, Good for you. Yeah, so there, there's my rant on the WBO, and uh, hopefully, um, you know, some female boxers listen to it, and, and maybe they, they think about it, because, I mean, those sanctuary fees are not cheap. Now, going out to earlier this month, it was announced by Matchroom Boxing that they signed undefeated former world amateur champion Savannah Marshall to an exclusive contract, nor were yet on her first fight with the outfit, but it's no secret oh. that she and Clarissa Shields love to go at it on Twitter, that fight somehow in the future is going to happen. Savannah Marshall is the only fighter in the world who has ever defeated Clarissa Shields. Shields, I think she had like over 70 amateur fights, only one loss, which was I think in a world championship, and it was to Savannah Marshall. And I think that she was never able to uh, avenge it. I don't think they faced each other since then. And um, and now Savannah Marshall is looking for a title fight, obviously maybe against. Clarissa Shields, which everybody knows that that's going to be the big money fight there. So good news for her that she signed with uh, Matchroom Boxing. Matchroom Boxing has the dates, which are dead zone. They know how to promote a female fighter. They clearly showed it with Katie Taylor. And um, mm-hmm. good thing that Marshall got out of that uh, Mayweather Promotions uh, contract because that's who signed the, uh, out of the amateurs. She made her pro debut with um, Mayweather Promotions on the undercard of Mayweather against uh, Conor McGregor. So now she is with the quote-unquote real promoter that's going to be able to do things with her, and we'll see what happens in her career and how soon she gets that Clarissa Shields uh, fight. And as reported by our very own David Avila on thepricefires.com, this past Tuesday was a big day for upcoming fights with Clarissa Shields. Bid for a third, third title in as many divisions scheduled for early October and a great fight between WBO 126-pound champion Heather Hardy Defend, I shouldn't even say WBO. Okay, so I'm going to start practicing. A great fight between 126-pound title holder Heather Hardy defending against Amanda Serrano, former multi-time title holder, on Friday, seven. September. Seven-time seven title Seven-division title holder and one IBF title um, on Friday, September 13th. So, what we know about Amanda Serrano and her, we don't know. I mean, a lot of things are happening. But what we think we know is that she signed a three-fight deal with the Zone, Eddie Hearns, Matchroom Boxing. And her first fight was back in uh, January against, who did she fight, David? Uh, she fought the European girl. Um, uh, I forget her name, too. Eva Moreberger. Okay. She yeah, fought Eva Waterburger, who she knocked out in the first round. Then 
uh, throughout the summer and the spring, we heard that a, the plan was that they're going to face her with a good big name in the second fight and in the third fight uh, before the end of 2019 was going to be against Katie Taylor. So now we get the, the big second fight, which is Heather Hardy. Heather Hardy holds the title for the organization. And, you know, she's not, you know, she's ready for it. Heather Hardy has come out publicly on Twitter saying that she has a lot of respect for Amanda Serrano, and she's ready to defend her title uh, in New York. And Amanda Serrano as well has said that, that she's ready to go after Heather Hardy, even though she has a lot of respect for her. And one thing that we might not get from Serrano is an interview prior to the fight because she stated on Twitter this week, and I'm going to quote, she says, I'm getting a ton of messages slash questions about my fight on September 13th. I'm not a store, so I'm not trying to sell anything. Fights are won or lost in the ring, not in an interview slash podcast. I have nothing but respect for my opponent, and that's as much as you'll get from me. Thank you. How do you interpret that tweet, David? Um, well, let's just say that she's uh, very focused on this fight, but I think she'll speak with us. <laughs> I, hope, I hope she does. I mean, I know, I, I, if, if there's one thing that we have here in the two-minute round, is respect for female fighters, or else we wouldn't have this show. I think we have never looked for any female fighter to trash talk any other. They have done it themselves on the on this on this uh, podcast. Have I? Yeah. I personally can only take uh, responsibility for myself. Have I asked some questions to stir up things? No, I don't think not really. I've done it playfully, like I did with uh, uh, who did I do it with? Somebody, it was playfully. It, it didn't mean anything. Um, but I don't think that we ever asked anybody to trash talk anybody else on this show, and, and we wouldn't do that. We, we want to get the, to the nitty-gritty that has to do with female boxing. We don't care about what your favorite nail polish is or, you know, what's your favorite, you know, movie. We care about what goes inside the ring um, just as much as what it is for the men. So hopefully she does give us a podcast, uh, an interview. Uh, she seems to be very focused. But I think that one thing that she needs to do is to try to sell the fight. I mean, not that it needs a lot of selling because it's a great fight and everybody that is in the know knows that it's a great fight. But that's one thing you have to do is you have to try to promote the fight anyway. I I think, I, I personally think that they're having it in the wrong place. They're going to have it in the Hulu Theater, Madison Square Garden, which is the smaller venue. Mm-hmm. I think they should have it in the big venue. I truly believe that Amanda and Heather are going to bring at least 10,000 people. And that, place doesn't, that place holds like five, 6,000, right? It's not like 8,000, the Hulu Theater? It holds 4,000. Wow. 4, yeah, 000. no, I agree with you. So I agree with you. Too small. It's too small. Uh, I mean, David, and, hey, and we're not... Yeah, these are New Yorkers. These are both yeah. from Brooklyn. Both of them, have yeah. Big followings, big followings. And David Haney is the main event, isn't he? I think he's the main yeah, event, right? Yeah, De- De- yeah Devin Haney is the main event. Uh, Daniel Roman from Los Angeles is also uh-huh. on the card. But, you know, these guys are from the West Coast. The, the, the yeah. primary ticket sellers are going to be the women. Yeah, and that's why maybe I think that the, the promoter, Eddie Hearn, is thinking, well, I don't know if I want to rent a big room because, I mean, my main event and my semi-main event is from the West Coast, and maybe he doesn't – know how much Heather Hardy, I mean, I'm sure he does, but I mean, he's not expecting them to sell the 10,000 tickets between both of them. Yeah. I, I think it's going to really explode. I really do. Well, let's um, see what happens then. Know, but, uh, go ahead. I mean, Heather sells regularly 30 to $40,000 worth of tickets. Wow. And Amanda's pretty, you know, she sells a lot too. And, and those the two fact girls that they're fighting so each other. Well yeah, and they're so respected. They're so well-loved. Their fan base really loves them. I think they have a fan base that goes across both of them. So I'm a fan of both. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it's yeah. going to be epic, I think. You yeah, know, yeah, I think so, too. And there's going to be a lot of people that are going to, um, you know, maybe that come to that fight even more. So it's going to tell you even more fights because it's, 
both of them facing each other. I mean, that's a, that's that's one of the best fights on paper of the year right there for 2019. I mean, you got mm-hmm. a, a fighter. I mean, you have an Amanda Serrano who's done pretty much anything you could do in the sport of boxing. She's done so much that she felt that she needed to go to the MMA. She's technically sound. She hits hard. She's fast. She's smart. Um, and then you have Heather Hardy who is all blood and all guts and all heart. And they're just going to go at it exactly. against each other. It's a great fight. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a that's a heaven made fight. Yeah. Well, also in September, after a five year hiatus, Chevelle Halbeck will be back in the ring on the twenty first against another high end opponent, Hungarian Silvia Sabatos. So that's kind of surprising. What do you guys? What can you guys tell me about Chevelle Halbeck? Starting with Lupi. Chevelle. I mean, she's 30, what, she has uh, 30 fights, uh, 13 knockouts, and and like you said, uh, Sylvia, I mean, she's fought everybody. Yeah. She fought Callie Reese and Nobi on the same card. You know, she's fought everybody. She's fought everybody and lost to everybody. That I know about Sylvia. But she's a high-end <clears throat> opponent, like you said. And so Chanel, I mean, she's been promoting herself a lot, so she's out there. She's what's making come her back? come back? What's making her come back after five years, though? That's that's something that I would like to ask her. Maybe we could try to get her on. Uh, actually, Chevelle's never she never tried not to get a fight. It's just she couldn't get one. For she five was always years? looking for a fight. Yep, she could not wow. get a fight. Wow, she was trying crazy. and trying and trying. You know, that's at one time, bad. most people may not know this, but at one time she was the pound for pound best. Mm-hmm. Uh, when she fought uh, Layla McCarter the last time, uh, I consider her the best fighter in the female uh, boxing world at that time. But uh, you know that was more than ten years ago, about eleven years ago. Then maybe well, she left for frustration. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, can take a little like break. You know. pound, yeah, you're pound for pound best, and you can't get a fight. That's frustrating. Mm-hmm. And well, let's see what happens. Yeah. I mean, let's see if this opens. The, I mean, and, and the climate right now might be a little bit different for her, you know? Like, we see it. We yeah. see the fights. We see the fights happening. I mean, we have the zone. We have ESPN. We have, you know, UFC fight pass. We got these fights happening in other countries, like the one in Spain, Argentina, you know, Mexico, mm-hmm. Japan. You know, she's a bigger girl. She's in, like, in the what? She's in the 47-54 weight class. So, you know, she could be looking at Anna Gabriel. She could be looking at a at a Clarissa Shields. She could be looking at an Alicia Napoleon. Um, all those fights could be made if uh, Marisa Maricela Cornejo, Raquel Miller. Uh, so she's actually kind of small though. She was really about one forty. So even if she gets down Chabelle to one forty, I mean, one forty, one forty-seven. Yeah, that's Jessica really her McCaskill. weight. Her weight is about one forty. Yeah. There's all those Jessica McCaskill, you got those Argentinians, Farias, oh, yeah. um, Sanchez, all those girls. So uh, let's see what happens. Let's see. First, she has to come back and beat Sylvia Sabatos on the 21st. And, la- and lastly, mm-hmm. on, on Thursday, August 29th, Jabella Entertainment announced Alicia Napoleon's next defense of her WBA 168-pound title against Shamel Baldwin at the Foxwoods Resort and live on the UFC Fight Pass. Also on the card, like Lupi mentioned, was Callie Reese and Helen Joseph, who is doing a quick turnaround. Interesting enough, I saw on the poster, and I don't know if it's true, I don't know if it's a typo, but Reese weight on the poster states that she's at 140. She, last time we saw her in a major fight was um, last year when she fought Cecilia Breakout on HBO, the first ever female fight televised by HBO before they left boxing. And she fought at 147. She had campaigned like a 160. She got down to 147. So if she gets down now to 140, that's going to be a pretty big jump for her. And uh, But like I mentioned, just as, as as well for Halbeck, there's a lot of fights at 140, 147 for either one of them, even against each other. All righty. So that's all the fight chatter that I got. Anything from you, David? Um, I did have something, but uh, let me get back to you on that. How about you, Lupi? What do you got going on over there? You know, we're just getting ready for the show, the all-female amateur shows, you know. It's what we're doing, just trying to raise money, trying to finalize fights, just trying to get everything together, and the international, the Hall of Fame where David's being inducted, we're just getting, trying to tie the loose ends. 
Okay, now. Hey, but you know what? Uh, hey, you guys, going back go to that Alicia fight, Alicia Napoleon. So mm-hmm. she has yeah. eleven fights. She's defending her title. The WBA. She's defending that title. Uh huh. From Shemelli, who's three and zero. Well, there you go. Maybe we got a rant against the WBA now. See, that's what happens, though. You know, you have all these mismatch. I don't know. We'll see. I'm still going to watch everything. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. Like, okay. Hard. So I was thinking about that, too, when I was watching the Lourdes fight, okay? So usually when you have these fights on, on Mexican TV, you have a fighter like Lourdes Suarez who, at the start of the fight, had, I think she's like 27-2, and two, and the other girl is 4-2. and two. But some of the fights in Mexico don't get reported to Boxrec because they're in small mm-hmm. towns or the commission hasn't reported or blah, blah, blah. So sometimes, even though on boxing they're four and two, they get announced on TV as 14 and two or maybe 16 and four or something like okay. that because they have mm-hmm. so many other fights. But in that case with with um, Prado, she was really four and two because that's the way that television announced her. Okay? okay. So I'm thinking, mm-hmm. how, does, how does TV, forget the commission, how does TV accept it? 27 and 2 against a 4 and 2 fighter. Why? Because she's Mariana Juarez's sister. Okay? And because she draws it, because she everybody she's a, one of the most well known yeah. active female fighters in Mexico right now, Lourdes Juarez. Now, in the case with Elisa Napoleon, you got two entities there that you should be asking what's going on. One is the commission. How can you accept or approve this fight between an 11 and 0 fighter, regardless if she's a listed Napoleon and a 3 and 0 fighter or 3 and 2, whatever that she may be. And then if you get past the commission, why is the WBA accepting that as a world title? Yep. So many questions. So, now, before we move on to the upcoming calendar, or perhaps if David remembers uh, what he had for us, you're uh, the three of us, Lupe, you're the one that follows amateur boxing a lot more than we do. Is there anything? Uh, Exciting or anything that came out uh, notable from the Pan American Games in Peru that happened in the last couple of weeks? As far yeah, as you know, the Pan American. Yeah, so we had um, we had a couple bronzes and a couple silvers. What O'Shea took the gold, or was it O'Shea Jones took the gold and you know and a couple bronzes, a couple silvers. So. You know, a lot of a lot of amateur uh, females who are going for 2020 Olympics, they're all looking at that. They're like, "All right, bronzes and silvers," and it's it's gave, it's given a lot of these amateurs are getting ready for the trials. It's given them good confidence because they're like, "We can do that." And I'm would you say that? And we know they can. Would you say that if in 2020 the female boxing, the USA female boxing team, came home with bronzes and silvers, would that be a successful trip? To the Olympics in two in is it going to be 2020? Yeah, in 2020. Yeah, 2020 yeah. in Tokyo. Is that Tokyo. going to be a successful trip? I mean, we had we had bronze in Marlene Esparza. We had two golds with Carissa Shields. I think that's the only medals they ever won. Have they won? Has anybody else won a medal in female boxing? No. Well, O'Shea well they've only won. had the two Olympics. Yeah, yeah, in those two Olympics, yeah, there's been three, well, two females that have won medals. There's only Marlene six Okay, yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's. Yeah, I mean, she took a bronze. And then Clarissa took two golds, which makes it even more impressive um, for her to yeah. take those two golds. So, um, yeah. So I, I, knowing that, knowing that, then I think that if the if uh, the USA female boxing team came home from 2020 with a couple of bronzes and a couple of silvers, or one silver, one bronze, or a couple of silvers and one bronze, or whatever the combination, which they medal, I think it's good enough, right? Yeah, well, it is. I, I think they're adding a couple more uh, weight divisions for the women. Mm-hmm. Oh, there you go. So That's hopefully we get more Yeah, they did. They so had like a 125 and a 132. Yeah, and a 132. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, quite honestly, I'm thinking about, like, you know, female boxing in Mexico is is pretty big, too. But just like the men, their, their style is fit more. It's just the trainers. The trainers, they, they, they even bring in Cuban trainers for the amateur teams, and they still can't get these guys to fight in a more amateur-friendly style for them to medal um, in, in, in the Olympics or maybe in world championships and things like that. And I think because of that, it's much more important for a fight. Of, of, and let's just talk about female boxing. 
uh, for a female boxer to win a medal in the Olympics in the United States. I mean, obviously, the Mexican fighter would love to win a, a, a medal, but it means much more economically for the U.S. fighter because they know that with that medal, they're going to get a lot of attention in the United States, and they're going to get a promoter, and they're going to get big purses like Clarissa Shields has been getting. Because relatively to the rest of the U.S. fighters right now, you know, Clarissa's getting big purses. I mean, I can't think of another female fighter that made $50,000 in her pro debut. Okay? So, mm-hmm. um, for female boxers, Mexican female boxers, or maybe from other countries as well, winning the gold medal doesn't translate into a $50,000 pro debut check or whatever by, or whatever is the equivalent in their country of a $50,000 check for their pro debut. It doesn't translate to that. But in the United States, it does. You know, so I think it's a lot more important, even though it's important for all these athletes who struggle, who have sacrificed so much in their lives to get to that level, economically to move on to the pro ranks, I think it's much more important in the United States than it is for other countries as far as the gold medal. And that's just my opinion, but what I've seen. I've never seen anybody in Mexico, uh, well, none of them have ever won a gold medal, but none of them said, well, if you had a gold medal, you would have made this much more. I've never seen that uh, or talked about it in that way. So uh, let's move on to the upcoming calendar. Uh, on Saturday, August 10th from Jalisco, Mexico, Stanford, this Saturday gives us uh, the current uh, interim WBA 108-pound champion, Jessica Neri Platas, taking on Barbara Martinez in a non-title bout in the scheduled eight-rounder at 112 pounds. Uh, I believe that is going to be uh, broadcast live on the Azteca channel this Saturday night. So we'll be able to talk about that next week. Jessica Neri Platas, kind of like keep busy fight because she is not defending her interim WBA title. And on Friday, August 16th, from San Juan, Argentina, Leonela Paola Yudica will be facing Isabel Millana, Millan, I'm sorry, uh, the Mexican higher-profile opponent, in a 10-rounder for the IBF 112-pound title. And Maria Cecilia Román will be taking on Julieta Andrea Cardoza in a 10-rounder for the IBF, IBF uh, Bantamweight title. And in Laredo, Texas, on that same Friday, August the 16th, Cristina Fuentes will be taking Iranda Paola Torres in a 10-rounder at Featherweight. And lastly, on Saturday, August 17th, at the MG in Springfield, uh, uh, in Springfield, uh, Mississippi, at the MGM Springfield, I'm sorry, in Springfield, Massachusetts, I'm sorry, Murphy's Boxing gives us Shelly Vincent, who said he was going to retire after last fight, but then turned around like two days later and said, hey, not a lot of my friends got to see me fight. So I'm going to do one more fight. And here it is against Karen <laughs> Dutlin in an eight-rounder at featherweight. So those are the only fights uh, that we got going on. Actually, you know what? That is not true. Um, I did an update because we actually made the show go one more. Actually, no, those are the fights because I did those up to August 22nd. We're just going to have the show August 21st. So our next show is August 21st here on the two-minute round. Um, any closing thoughts from either one of you guys? Now, you know well, what? One thing, not, did, um, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, one thing I wanted to add is, is uh, Adelaida Ruiz is going to be fighting in October. Oh, yes. And October so we, 12th. Yeah, in Pico Rivera. In Pico Rivera. They haven't said yeah. who, but she'll be fighting. I mean, I, I'm going to make the driver. Salinas? What about Amy Salinas and Sammy Salazar? Is that the 20th? I didn't see that one. Oh, no, that may be the 24th. Oh, okay, so we'll, we'll, we'll announce that on the next show. As far as, like, yeah. uh, Delilah Reese, I mean, I really think she's really exciting. I really like her style. I, I've seen her fight uh, uh, four or five times, three or four times. Um, the thing is that, unfortunately, like, we talked about it. We we talked to her, to her uh for the last couple of years. And one thing that she, that stayed in my mind from the conversation that we had with her is that she wants to get a promoter. She's tired of selling the tickets. She's tired of where, I mean, she's a mother of three children. She has a day job. She trains. And then on top of that, she has to go around selling tickets. I mean, Jesus, she's what? Mm-hmm. Eight and no, she's eight and no. She knocks people out. She's exciting. There's gotta be a promoter out there that is willing to invest some money. Are they willing not to invest her because she's in her late 20s? It doesn't matter. Cecilia Brickhouse is almost 40. Leila MacArthur is over 40, and they're still fighting, and they're still drawing. Well, not so much Leila MacArthur, but Cecilia Brickhouse. So, you know. 28 is so young. 
Yeah. Yeah. Somebody's got to take a chance. It's it's different with female fighters than guy fighters, you know, because the the pool is not as deep as it is with the male fighters. So somebody's got to take a risk on her and, and get her signed there. So that we, and the reason it's a selfish reason of my, of mine of why I want her to get signed because I think that her opposition is gonna step up. I think the a level of opposition is gonna be a little bit better because there's gonna be a little bit more money there because I don't think they can generate enough money at the Pico Rivera and her selling tickets to get a really really good opponent yeah. that's really gonna show us what she's got. I mean her last opponent was tough as nails and spotted out, but. You knew after the third, fourth round that that Ruiz was gonna win. It was just a matter of if she was gonna knock her out or not, and she didn't. But she knew she was gonna win. She had won the fight, and I want to see her in a fight where I'm thinking, well, this is a 50-50 fight. Let's see who wins, you know. And I think that's not gonna happen until she gets a promoter behind her and is willing to spend a little bit more money. I mean, case in point, we're seeing that in Sinisa Estrada. You know, Sinisa Estrada was selling oh, tickets yeah. and and stuff like that, and she wasn't fighting big names. And now that 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 she got um. Um, signed, she's finding a little bit better opposition. We're trying to see how much, how good she is, you know. So hopefully that yeah. happens there for Adelaida Reese. So with that said, we thank yes. you all. Go ahead, David. No, no, that's it. Okay. She is one of the better fighters that people don't know about, except for yeah. us, you that have seen her. Yeah, yeah, and if you guys have a chance to go out to the Pico Rivera Arena. Uh, bring a bulletproof vest. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was pretty worried, David. I was there by myself. You weren't there. I was pretty worried. <laughs> so, uh, so, uh, uh, so we'll be back here on August 21st. Uh, so thank you all for listening to the two-minute round, and we bid you farewell. Bye, everybody. Bye.